Uh, good morning, everybody. Everybody say good morning. Y'all look good this morning. I had them get the room darker so uh, y'all didn't have to look at each other. And uh, I'm kidding. Um, but man, I mean, I'm excited that you're here. I want to celebrate something really quick. We had Christmas small yesterday. Raise your hand if you were here yesterday. You were a part of it. A lot of you were here. Uh, we had over 100 people here serving. And you guys as a church, y'all served uh, over 200 kids uh, to provide Christmas this year. Would y'all give it up for what God is doing? And it's amazing. And uh, I was so excited yesterday just walking around and learning how to wrap gifts because uh, in Jesus' name, I, need, I was going to each table. I was like, teach me your secrets. I was watching one girl try to wrap a soccer ball, and it was so funny. Uh, but last week, we covered Acts chapter 16, and, and we spoke a, a sermon entitled, You Have What Someone Needs, and that is the name of Jesus. If you are a follower of, of God, that you have... The name of Jesus, you have his presence in your life. And we learned, um, I'm going to clarify something from last week. If you were here during that first service, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When Jesus is magnified, our circumstance is minimized, all right? If you don't know what that's about, just don't ask questions. I made a fool of myself last week and said circumcised. Um, it, was, it was great, and God's presence is still here with us today, so we're good. Um, this week, I actually planned an entire different message to land the plane, uh, as we have discussed the book of Acts this, uh, this whole semester in the season. Uh, but man, I read a passage this week that just kept messing with me. And uh, I actually reached out to a handful of people last night, and I was like, please pray, uh, because I don't really have like, this, this well-crafted sermon today. I just know that I'm supposed to talk about this as we end this semester getting ready for uh, Christmas, and I was a little timid last night, honestly. I was texting some of the team this morning, and I was like, I'm a little shaky. If I'm a little shaky in my voice, it's because um, this, this verse, some, one, of, one of our members sent this last night, 1 Corinthians 2, it says uh, that, as so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God, but for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And this is what he says. He says, I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. I can feel it in my voice. <laughs> my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. How many of y'all want some of that, okay? I do. I hope that you do. So we're going to dive right in this morning, the book of Acts chapter 19. Uh, this is probably one of the strangest chapters I've read, and there's some interesting things that happen and we're going to talk about it today. Verse 8 is where we're going to pick up chapter 19 of Acts. It says, Paul entered the synagogue, and he spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate, and they refused to believe, and they publicly maligned with the way, the way of Jesus. And so Paul left them, and he took the disciples with him, and he had discussions daily. Everybody say daily. Daily in the lecture hall. And, and this went on for, for two years. And by the way, if, a, if a, a pastor or a preacher ever skips a word, it means they can't read it. So just a heads up. Uh, it, for, they went on for two years. That's a long time. Um, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. I want you to write this down. Paul was determined. He, he spent a lot of time. He was persistent and he was determined to get the word of God 
into the earth. It says in verse 11, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched them were taken to the sick and their illness and they were cured and evil spirits left them. Now people saw this and in verse 13, this is kind of what happens and unfolds. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. This is what they would say. They would say in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Siva, he says, a Jewish priest, a chief priest, they were doing this. And one day, the evil spirit answered them. They said, Jesus, I know. By the way, if you get confronted by a spirit that calls you out, that's when you know you done messed up, all right? <laughs> Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know about, but who are you? <laughs> and then it says, then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. And he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. I almost titled the message today, Naked and Bleeding, all right? But people probably wouldn't come back. So this is what I want you to see as we set up the text today, is Jesus is not looking for only your association with him. Jesus is not looking for head knowledge about him. Jesus is not looking for your church attendance or A-plus behavior. And, And he's not checking the list and checking it twice to find out who's naughty or nice. But how many of you want to know that he is coming back to town, okay? And he is looking for a spotless and a blemish without blemish bride, and that is the church. I've, I've said it from the beginning, if revival happens across the street, we are all going over there. Can I get an amen? All right, it's not about this building or this church's name. We want to preach the gospel and let heaven meet earth. Listen, Jesus is not looking for people to only know his name. He's looking for people who have surrendered to his name. People who worship his name. People who put no other names and no other gods before him and and. There was a group of men in this passage that only knew about the name of Jesus. They did not fully know Jesus. They were trying to utilize and almost mimic the power of God without a relationship with him. I want you to write this down. Do not take spiritual warfare lightly. Do not take spiritual warfare lightly. The Bible says that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but what? The the principalities of this world. You saw what happened to this guy, <laughs> naked and bleeding. I'm, you know, take that as you wish. I do not recommend trying to cast out an evil spirit without the spirit of God living inside of you. I do not recommend trying to cast out an evil spirit with zero spiritual authority. They were saying in the name of Jesus, whom someone else preaches, who Paul preaches, right? They were claiming almost someone else's faith and what someone else believed in, and I don't say this next part to scare anyone today, but, but this is the truth. If you believe the word of God is true, this is the truth. And what God tells us is that there will be a day that he returns. And, and we, we don't talk about this all the time in church because a lot of people that grew up with hellfire and brimstone, anybody grew up around that, and they talked about how hot hell would be, and you were like, man, you talk about it like you're from there. you know? Like, but here's the thing is that there is a real hell and there is a real heaven. Eternity is at stake. And sadly, the, the way we live our lives, man, it impacts people with the gospel. It either pushes them further to Christ or further away from him. There's a real hell. And, and it can't just be our lives going about saying, in the name of Jesus, who my grandma used to talk about, 
In the name of Jesus, who, who my parents talked about or who, who Seth preaches about. No, it is vital for you today. Everybody say, for me, for you to know the Lord. Not just to know his name, but to know him. To have a relationship with him. For him to be the Lord of your life. It says in verse 15 that one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit, he jumped on them and overpowered them. And listen, when, when all of this became known to the Jews and the Greeks that were living in Ephesus, they were seized with fear and the name of the Lord was held in high honor. I want you, if you've got a Bible, I want you to make note of that, that the name of Jesus was held in high honor. This is a big deal. It was holy. I, I want to say today that we are uh, preaching the gospel in a world where the Bible is no longer seen as holy. Are, are y'all agree with me today? Like, we are in a world today where man's words and women's words are held in higher holiness and regard than the scripture of God's word. And, and it's a sad day. I want you to write this down. God's word is holy and it will never change. And it is crazy that we have to say this. God's word is holy. It will never change, but it will change you if you would let it. We live in a day where the Bible is held in only high regard and man's word has become holy. And, and I'm just telling you that I long for the day to see the holy Bible held as holy, the inerrant, the, the word of God. That it was breathed and God spoke it. The Bible is holy. Can I get an amen? It's not changing, period. Verse 18, many of those who believed, they now came and they openly confessed what they had done. I want you to get a picture. These people are coming from all over. And a number who had practiced sorcery, they brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. I was checking out at a local grocery store. I took pictures. I was going to show you today. There are, there are stores in this city that you could buy a rock to worship. You could put it in your pocket. Let me tell you, you need more in your pocket than a rock, all right? There are, there are places you could go in this region where you can get your palms read and people could talk about the future. And here's the reality is all this stuff is still happening today. I just want to make sure everybody is super clear about that. It says that they came publicly, they burned all of these things, and when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas, which was pieces of silver. And in this way, the word of the Lord spread and widely grew in power. Some of y'all are like, what are we talking about today? We got naked and bleeding guys. We got evil spirits burning, you know, burning sorcery books, Harry Potter, you know. <laughs> Some of y'all are offended. All right. This, I, I want to tell you this. This was the most expensive bonfire. A lot of theologians believe that this bonfire cost probably two to five million dollars. That's how much stuff was burned in the middle of this city, it was a big deal. Now, some of you are here today, and maybe you went to a camp or a youth camp. You already know where I'm going, right? And you went home after that camp or that retreat, and you burned. You were encouraged to burn anything that was not the Bible. Anybody, y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, and I think that's awesome. It's awesome. Some of you, you've sat around a campfire, and you wrote down some things, okay? Some of y'all are going back to memory lane, right? You remember that thing you wrote down, and you threw it in the fire, and it burned away. Last night, I was up here just praying, and I had this memory, and I, I FaceTimed my mom, and I, just to make sure that it was accurate, and I was like, Mom, do you remember this time? And, and, I, and <laughs> me and Ricky went to this youth camp. I think I was in, like, middle school, 
maybe even uh, younger than that, and and uh, we got home, and we were encouraged to burn everything, like name brand clothing, CDs, and all this stuff. So I came home, and I, me and Ricky are on a mission from the Lord. And so we come in, and my mom has no clue what just happened, but me and Ricky are getting our PlayStation, our Sega. Ricky's got posters in the, in the PlayStation in one hand, and I've got mom's whole CD collection. You know those big cases? Okay, and she was on this subscription. She was telling me last night we laughed so hard. She was on this subscription service where they would send you a CD, and if you liked it, you could buy it, and then they would send you another. She used to buy them all. She had all of them, okay? She, I had all those CDs in my hand, and we were marching, and mom was like, what are y'all doing? I had her Kid Rock CD. The Eagles, our REO Speedwagon, Celine Dion, can I get a name? Mint Wilson Phillips, Garth Brooks, Usher, you got it bad. She was like, you about to have it bad if you burn my CDs, right? Toby Keith, whiskey for my men and beer for my horses, right? And then the Backstreet Boys, you can't forget the Backstreet Boys. And NSYNC, right? And, and this is what mom came in. She said, I can't take no more. It ain't no lie. Y'all about to be bye, bye, bye. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> And, and it's so funny. She made us go back. We didn't burn a single thing. She just burned a hole in our souls looking at us, okay? And she made us go back to that youth pastor and, and tell him, just like LL Cool J said, he, he said, mama, mama said, knock you out. You know, and I'm going to knock you out. Like, my mama came to fight for them CDs. We laughed so hard. And at the end of that conversation, she said, you need to tell the church about, and she started telling them all these other, or these stories about middle school. She's like, tell them about that time I gave you Christmas money to go get your grandmother Christmas gifts, and you bought yourself Christmas gifts. I said, mom, that has nothing to do with this sermon, you know? <laughs> she just started venting. Like, I was just like, you're not just going to call me out. She said, you came home with a giant universal remote and a Ripley's Believe It or Not book for yourself. <laughs> Selfish. <laughs> and I was like, man, you need forgiveness, you know, healing. Listen, this, this scripture today is a big part of why that movement happened of people burning things and removing things from their life. These people, they, they saw evil spirits attack some guys. They were covered with fear of the Lord, and, and a whole community was, was coming to know Jesus. This group of new Christians in Ephesus did something that we need to take note of today. I want you to write this down. They had awareness and action. They had awareness and action. Now, if you just have awareness and no action, it doesn't really make a difference. You just are aware. But when you are aware of something and you act upon that thing, that's when change happens. Can I get an amen? And I believe that that's what's happening here. I want that to happen, that you today would become aware of some things in your life and you would act. And they were made aware of some things that they needed to get rid of and, and burn and they acted in obedience to God, and immediately they started to burn the things in their life that were leading them astray. When they lit that fire, I would even like to say that God lit a fire in them. And it says in verse 20, in your Bible, it says that in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely, and it grew in power. I just want to say, we can't just kind of breeze past this verse because it's easy to say, oh, the word of the Lord spread, and it grew in power. But this is what it actually means, is that marriages are restored because when the word has power and authority, addictions are broken. Healing takes place in sick bodies. Prodigals come home that have run far from the things of God. The lost are found. The, the broken are made whole. Clubs are shut down. Can I get an amen? Strip clubs have no more service. The porn industry crumbles. 
Addictions are broken when the word of the Lord spreads and it grows in power. That means that people are changed from the inside out. So what would happen if that happened? Revival is happening in this text because renewal and repentance was the priority. Renewal and repentance was the priority. Now, I know I was joking a little bit earlier about burning stuff, but I want to press into that today. I want to press into that because, and and this is what I want to ask you. I want to ask you, is there anything lingering around in your home and in your marriage and in your life that is causing you to sin? I am not saying go home and burn your mama's CDs, okay, just to make that super clear, right? Mama going to knock you out, all right? What I am asking you, is there anything that you are babysitting in your house and that you're keeping around maybe for another time whenever the temptation comes? Is there anything that God asked you to get rid of last year that you kind of kept in close proximity just in case you had a bad day? Is there a relationship or a friendship or whatever it may be that you have been clinging to that God is saying you need to let go of? Is it causing you to sin? The whole idea today, I could not shake this. I was so mad I read this chapter because there was a whole other message to preach. And usually if I got to write a message at the end of the week, it's not going to be very good, you know? (laughs) And I was like, God, I don't know what to say. It's very simple. What in your life needs to be set aflame today so that you can burn bright for Jesus in the new year? What in your life needs to be set aflame So that you can burn bright for Jesus in this new year. So that you can walk into those Christmas functions that seem so dysfunctional. Anybody? So that you can be around a family member who abused you and you can love them. I believe that God is wanting to release you of some things and set you free of some things today. The the fire of obedience in Ephesus led to a spiritual fire of renewal. People came from all over burning everything that was holding them back. And it says in verse 23 that about that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way of Jesus. Verse 24, a silversmith named Demetrius. Everybody say Demetrius. This guy um, really, really embodies what I talked about last week. He made silver shrines of Artemis, which, by the way, Artemis was the daughter of Zeus. Okay, one of the, one of the gods, lowercase g. And um, she was known to be an idol And one of the the characteristics of this girl, she was an idol of sexuality. An idol that they created, and when she died, they would actually create these little images that looked like her that would say that that these little things had power. And there was this big statue made of her. And this statue was a piece of black meteorite that fell from the sky that they actually carved into the image of a woman that they wrapped up like a mummy and was very interesting. I can't go into all the details because we're in church. It's very odd. And uh, they would worship this God, this idol, lowercase g. It was a God of sexuality. And, and a lot of people were, were said to worship this idol sexually with their lust and whatever they felt like doing. And I read that and I was like, you know, that really describes the world today. Because you could cut the tension with a knife when it comes to sexuality and, and self-image and, and gender and, and everything else that has come up in the last couple years. This is nothing new. It just is resurfacing and 
It says that a silversmith named Demetrius who made silver shrines of this, this image I just talked about, they brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there, and he called all them together. You see where the problem starts happening. Along with all the workers and the related trades, and this is what he said. Hey, you know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see and you hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of peop- people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia, his, his, that gospel got out. And he says that gods made with human hands are no gods at all. Kudos to Paul. Can I get an amen? And there is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess of Artemis will be discredited. And that the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. Now, remember last week I told you that when, when you sin, it, it costs you more than you can pay. We know Jesus came to pay that price, right, on the cross. It costs us more than we can pay, and somebody else benefits from the proceeds of it. This is a, a picture of it right here. There's so many industries that profit from our sin. When the profits go down, how many of you want to know? People start looking around to find out what's going on. When the profits go down, that usually means that a move of God is on the cusp. And, and the, Demetrius and his business was impacted by the gospel. I wrote this down. I want you to make note of it. Idol worship decreased as Jesus worship increased. Idol worship decreased and Jesus worship increased. I pray in Jesus' name that we would see the same thing happen in this region. I pray in Jesus' name that we would see more people on fire for the things of God than anything else. I pray in Jesus' name that people would be set aflame and set aflame anything in their life that's preventing them from stepping out in faith to Jesus. I pray that people from all across this region would see the smoke of the incense of people burning their sin on the altar and say, God's up to something over there. Repentance and renewal. It's powerful. It's it's so important. I I don't want to just... As a church, have spiritual excitement. I want to see revival take place. It's easy to get excited about the things of God, but I want to see a move of God. Does anybody else want to see that today? A move of God typically follows a move of God's people towards repentance. This is not a sexy thing to preach about in 2022. A move of God is usually directly following a a move of God's people for repentance and renewal and fixing our eyes on Jesus. Many people want revival, but they stiff arm renewal because that means I have to change. That means my opinion is not the end all be all. That means I've got to love my neighbor as Jesus has loved us. That means that I have to change and that's uncomfortable. Renewal. Verse 28, it says, When they heard this, they were furious and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And soon the whole city was in an uproar. A few verses later, it says that they chanted this name for hours. And in, in the way they were positioned on a hill, it says that this voice and this chant could be heard from miles away. Chanting this, this great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And people could hear it and people start coming. Did you know that that chant still echoes today? 
That, that voice, it still echoes in cities and homes and schools and workplaces today, except it has changed a little bit. Because here's the thing is Artemis was this, this idea, this God, this idol created by human hands. Did you know that we've done the same thing in the world today? It sounds a little different. Great is my sports team. We'll get crazy, woo pig, we wooey, but we got my hands in my pockets at church. And I'm judging anybody who looks different, right? Oh, toes are stepped on today. Great is my opinion. Great is my political party. Great is my own truth and my own body and my own sexuality and my own material possessions. Great is me. Great is my money. I earned this. It just has changed a little bit over the years to a self-centered mentality. How about great is absolutely nothing but the name of Jesus? Great is nothing but the name that has saved me. That gave me life and life abundantly. That broke my chains. That came at a cost. That changed my life. That is the name that's great. And you can't hear that and not be shaken up a little bit. We've all built little gods in our life. We've all built these little idols. And I believe that God is calling us to move forward as a church. Amen. But here's the thing. To take new ground and to advance God's kingdom. To, but, but it is spiritually and physically impossible to do so if we're bowing to the wrong thing. And so today I have a very simple mission. I believe it's from God. I hope so. <laughs> this is going to fall flat that we would get our hearts right before him. That we would fix our eyes on heaven, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I believe today that many people will decide to stop bowing to other things and bow to Jesus. You know, when you, when you bow to something and you're on your knees, it's a posture of surrender and it's a posture of humility saying that something else is greater than you. I'm telling you there's nothing better to bow to than Jesus. I believe today that things will be left at the altar. When you pronounce the name of Jesus and you turn to him and you follow him, a byproduct of that is renouncing and denouncing some things in your life. This is the beginning of sanctification and becoming more like Jesus. When you announce that, and a lot of people do this through baptism, that you are a follower of Jesus, that you've surrendered to the lordship of Jesus, you start to renounce some things, which means I commit to stop doing Fill in the blank, right? I'm not, I remember when I got saved, I'm not, I'm going to stop cussing. I'm going to stop looking at porn. I'm going to stop being addicted to drugs and alcohol and, and, and all of these things. That, that, was a, that was renouncing. Now, denouncing, it requires your words. It requires you to speak out against some things. Maybe it's, maybe it's something evil or an organization or an activity or a belief that is bad. This is taking a stand and taking ground. Not being casual and a bystander as ever the world. Listen, if the, if the world can scream their worldview, why can't the church? This is the gospel of Jesus Christ that he came and he died. He took on flesh and he died the death that I deserved. He came to save us from our sins. Simply what I feel, do, feel led to do today is to create some space for you and the Lord. It's very simple. You've got a card in your seat. I want you to go ahead and grab that. I'm going to tell you what to do in a second. This is for every person here today. If you're visiting, it's not always this tense, I promise. <laughs> I just think, man, what a great way to go into the new year. Renouncing some things. Denouncing some things. I, 
Everybody say turn and burn. In baseball, we used to do this thing, and, and basically they would try to figure out how hard you could throw with the most momentum, and you would turn your back towards where you were throwing, and you would crow hop, and you would turn, and you would throw, okay? And, and they, would, they would measure the velocity, and here's the thing. When you turn from your sin, it is the fastest that you can run to the foot of the cross, when you turn and you burn some things in your life that you've clung to and that you've got just, you're holding on to, for, listen, it is the fastest that you can run to the foot of the cross. Today is the day of salvation. I believe there are some people here today, you came in, you said, there's no way that, that I'm worshiping. There's no way I'm turning from this thing. I've done too much. I've said too much. I've gone too far. This is the day of salvation, baby. I believe people are gonna turn to him. And so simply today, what I feel led to do is that on those cards, I want you, even as I'm finishing this sermon, I want you to start writing things that you're renouncing. Uh, God, I'm gonna stop this. I, I'm gonna stop this. Start renouncing some things and denouncing some things. Speak out against evil in the name of Jesus. Y'all, it's impossible for darkness to be present when light exists. What would happen if every person in this room said, I'm going to be a light in this region? This region gets a little brighter. Schools get a little brighter. Workplaces get a little, your homes get a little brighter. A lot of people try to run into the new year on their feet with excitement and a list of goals. And that's great. But how about getting like this? <laughs> Bowing to Jesus Actually, back in the Bible, they would actually get as low as possible to the ground. A lot of people will lay on the ground. I don't care if I look stupid today. And what they would do is they would try to get their heart closer to heaven than their head, and they would, they would get down like this. God, you can have my heart. Everything I have is yours, Lord. I don't want to do this on my own, God. You have my family and my finances, Lord. What you say is the truth, God. I lay down my own opinions. You see, when you get in this posture, your own will, it, it dies right there on the altar. And you pick up God's will, and let me tell you, there's not a better place you could be. Can somebody say amen? So I just got this vision. What would it look like if our whole church was on their face before God? Going into Christmas services in the new year. I've learned in walking with God that life can bring you to your knees. Y'all agree? It can bring you to your knees. Heartache and pain, it can bring you to your knees. But I've, I've learned that if I can live surrendered to God on my face before Him, which I don't always get this right, it's the best posture I could ever be in. If I stay on my knees before God, it's impossible to fall from that place. If I stay on my knees before the King of Kings, I'm not moving from this place until joy hits my spirit. I've told you since we moved here, pick a place, set a time, and you don't move from that place with the Lord until joy hits your spirit. God will speak to you. He will move in your home. He will save kids that, that maybe you've got kids who are far from the Lord. He will bring them back in Jesus' name. I was reading this story in 1519, Cortez, he set out and he set sail for Mexico to conquer some new land. There was 11 ships, there was 13 horses, there was 110 sailors and 553 soldiers. 
the battle that was up ahead as they got onto the shore was, was 5 million men approximately, and the odds were 7,500 to 1. For every one of their soldiers, there was 7,500 of them, and this is what, what this guy did. It, it still echoes today. It's incredible. What he did when he landed upon shore is he decided to sink and to burn all the ships. He decided to sink them and to no point of return. <laughs> and I was reading this article. It said, as the crew watched their fleet of ships burn and sink in the water, they came to the terms with the fact that retreat was not an option. Retreat is not an option. There's only two options. It's either victory or death. I've got a good news for you today. We've already got victory in Jesus. Victory or death. Cortez burned the ships and he sank them. Retreating from the enemy was not an option. And I came today to tell you that that is not an option today. Don't retreat from the enemy. You stand up and fight. Better yet, get on your face before God. Some of you are believing for some things in your family, in your finances, in your jobs, in your, in your, in your city, in your school. Some of y'all got finals next week and y'all are believing for a miracle. Can I get an amen, okay? Like, get on your face before the King of Kings. Allow him to work. I read this, that nine times out of 10, failure is resorting to plan B when plan A gets too risky, too costly, and too difficult. That's why most people are living in the middle of their plan B, because they didn't burn the ships of their past. Plan A people don't have a plan B. It's plan A, plan a or bust. <laughs> They would rather crash and burn going after a God dream than succeed at doing anything else. These are the moments in life that we got to burn the ships. We got we to gotta lay down some things at the cross and the, and the altar. This whole place, we've got two songs of worship we're about to sing. This whole place is going to be an altar. You can make an altar at your seat. I, I'm going to ask that as an act of surrender and laying something down, that you would bring those cards, fold them up, put them at the cross. You can lay them up here at the foot of the stage. I want this whole place. It's going to be an act of worship. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to write down some things, make a decision to remove it from your life. Write it down, renounce it, denounce it, confess to the Lord. It says that those people did it publicly. They brought these things. They were burning them. Can you imagine just bringing loads of stuff out of your house? I'm not telling you to burn things in your house, okay? I just got to make sure it's super clear. People are going to be tagging me on, on post. Lit the whole place on fire, you know? <laughs> Do you, boo-boo. Like, don't tag me in it, all right? <laughs> Set it aflame so that you can burn bright for Christ. Set it aflame so that you can burn bright for Christ. Revelation 2 was a letter to the church of Ephesus, this church that we just talked about that began by Paul's preaching, and it was a rebuke. At the end in Revelation, this is the angel of the Lord writing to this church and says, I know your deeds. I know your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. This is describing some of you in this room, that, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles and they're not you found them false, you've persevered, you've endured hardships, and you have not grown weary. It's like, yeah, awesome, good job, Church of Ephesus. Yet I hold this against you is the next part. Uh-oh. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you fall and repent and do the things that you did at first. 
If you don't repent, I'm going to remove the lampstand from its place. Listen, I remember the first time I read that passage, I was like, I don't know what the lampstand is, but I don't want it removed, you know. (laughs) This church, they aced it. They did all this stuff right. You know what they forgot to do? They forgot their first love. And when you forget your first love and you forget that Jesus is the Lord of your life and when you remove this posture from your life, anything you say goes. You go into a new year with your own agenda. You go into your bank account with your own agenda. You go into every circumstance and situation with your will and not God's. When you return to your first love, oh, Jesus, you can have my life. I didn't set this up. I thought I was going to be a baseball coach. I wouldn't even be that good at it. But I say yes to you, Jesus. Whatever you want to do in my life, you can do it. Move to Fayetteville. No, anywhere else, you know. (laughs) I double dog dare you to, to get on your face before God. Do it as a family. We've got some powerful things coming up for the church. And I honestly, I I was like, God, this is not how you end a series. He said, yes, it is. Revival starts with renewal and repentance. And so simply today, we know that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. 2 Chronicles 7.14, we're going to end with this verse, and I'm going to pray. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Does anybody want that? And so this is what I want to encourage you to do. This this whole place is an altar today. I want you to grab that card. If you've written your name on it, you could mark it out, you know. (laughs) You keep your name on it. You could write your, your phone number on it. If you want a staff member to reach out to you and pray over this specific stuff, we can do that too. Our staff is gonna pray over these things. We may even light them on fire. I'll tag all y'all on social media, okay? But this is what I want today. It is symbolic and it is a posture that God, you can have your way in my life. Whatever you says go. And so you're gonna put them at the crosses. You can put them up on the stage. If you've already written on them or chewed on it, there's extras on the stage up here. Some of y'all are like, I got lots of sin. Grab five of them, all right? Let's burn some things today. Let's lay it down so that we can pick up what God has for us in the new year. Are y'all with me? And so I'm going to pray that we can get this during these songs of worship. If you want to come up here and kneel, I want to encourage you at, at some point today, if you are physically able to do it, to get on your knees in this room. I was praying as I was leaving the the church last night. I felt like I was supposed to ask you to kneel before God. And one of my mentors and good friends, he texted me. He said, I think the church should get on their knees today. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Yes, sir. So I just want everybody today to be in a posture of surrender. God, you can have your way in this place this day forward. God, I pray that as we've learned about the early church, if we've learned everything, it's that what you says What you say is what we will do. No matter how scary it seems, we will do it. You you have it all. God, all of this is yours. You can have your way. And God, I pray today, as people are wrestling right now with what to write down and what to lay down at the cross, God, that that, that you would speak so clearly to them. And that as they leave this place today, that they would truly not pick that thing back up again. God, I pray today that our church can get on their knees before you as a posture of surrender, saying, God, you can have it all. You can have everything in my life. It is yours. 
Today, I lay down my pride, I lay down my possessions, I lay down everything, and I pick up the cross, and I'm following you, Jesus. Today, have your way, God. I pray, God, that you're confirming right now with people what what it is that they need to lay down. For some people, it's a relationship, and they can't write it down. They can't write it down. God, let them be bold to write it down to step away from it if it's hurting them and it's inflicting pain on them. Let them step away from it. Let them burn it so they can burn bright again for you, Jesus. If it's an addiction, God, we put it at the altar, at the feet of the cross. Whatever it is, God, we just lay it before you and we ask, God, would you have your way today? In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.